Daniel chapter number 4 today. Daniel chapter number 4. We're continuing our series talking about Daniel. Uh, uh, entitled Thriving in Babylon. And uh, we have said this every week, so I'm not going to belabor it, but uh, we're just to sum it up. Daniel is a handbook about how godly people can thrive in a godless culture, how we can influence culture and not just endure it. And so uh, as we've gone through Daniel the last couple of weeks, uh, we've seen a pattern. Chapters 1 and chapter 3 that we looked at last week uh, was talking about how we resist the influence of culture and how we resist the influence of the world in our lives and how Daniel did that. And then in chapter 2, and now today we see in chapter 4, we find Daniel's plan uh, to exert influence in the world and the culture and society uh, around him. Because, again, that's, that's what we want to do. We don't want to just survive. We want to thrive in this world. God has placed us here to influence the world uh, around us. And so we want to make sure that we're doing that. Uh, you're in Daniel chapter number 4. Take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter number 4. Real briefly, Matthew chapter number 4. And let me just give you one verse. Matthew chapter number 4. We, we know this verse, and so... I've left part of it out on purpose, and, and I want you to think about what the answer could be if it was different than what we know it to be. And so this is the one thing Jesus said to his disciples as he called them. This is to the fishermen on the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He said, follow me and I will make you, and we know what the answer is, but just think about if, if it was up to us. What would we think that Jesus would want to make us? It was, it was up to us. Like if we, if, we, if we didn't know what the answer was, if we didn't know what Jesus told the disciples, I will make you thus and such, what would we say that Jesus wants to make us? Would Jesus want to make us, uh, follow me and I'll make you a student of Scripture? Someone who is, is well-versed in the Word who can deliver the word properly and understands the the word of God. Uh, Follow me and I'll make you a warrior in the prayer closet. Somebody who knows how to pray and knows how to get answers from God. Uh, Follow me and I'll make you a generous giver. Uh, Somebody who knows how to make wealth and give wealth away. But that's not what Jesus said. All of those are good things and all of those would make sense to us. But Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you somebody to have an influence over the world. I'll make you an influencer of the world, an influence uh, over people. And and can I say this? You know, uh, in the, the climate and culture of our day, we want to influence government. We want to influence policies and we want to influence laws and education. And, uh, if those are all good things, and I think that as believers, we need to have an influence over them, but those are not the parts of society and culture that are going to fix this world. See, the problem is this world has a sin problem, a sin problem. And the only fix for a sin problem is a salvation solution. The only fix for the problems that are in our world today uh, is a savior. It is Jesus Christ. Uh, It is only salvation in his name. It is only learning how to follow him and trusting him. And we try to influence other areas of culture that are not going to bring the solution to the problem. And so uh, we we are going to look at Daniel chapter number four today. And and the one thing that we're going to focus on, the key word, I think, for Daniel chapter number four is this. Daniel exerts an influence of 
witness. I think that's the first thing on your handout. He exerts an influence of witness. Witness, that's our key word. That's, that's what I want us to cue into today as we, as we talk about Daniel. So we're in Daniel chapter number four. Look at Daniel chapter four and look at verse number one. We're going we're gonna to see this is a very interesting story. If you're familiar with Daniel chapter number four, it is unique compared to the rest of Scripture. Uh, it's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, uh, passages of Scripture. But we look at Daniel chapter number four and immediately we find out why it's interesting. And then we're going to find out later how Daniel's able to exert an influence of witnesses. So look at Daniel chapter 4. Look at verse number 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. So as we begin, let's pray and we'll jump right into this. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you, Lord, that we can approach the throne of grace boldly. We can come to you for help. We can come to you, Lord, for uh, peace and comfort. And so, Father, as we come to you in this time when when there's so much going on in the world around us, uh, whether it's politics or controversy or just society and culture in general, so much is pulling for our attention and trying to get us to pick a side. Lord, would you would you help us to remove those distractions and, and to see how we need to stand with you and how we need to stand as an influence uh, for you? God, I pray that even in our own lives, uh, maybe it's just the busyness of life or questions about the future. God, I pray that you would please help us to see even in those moments how you can use us to be an influence on the world around us. God, I pray that you'd speak to us. Holy Spirit, it's not me. It's, it's your word. It's the truth of Scripture. It's the example that you've laid out for us in your inspired word. And so I pray that you'd speak to us in this moment. I pray that you'd be glorified in all that goes on today. Uh, lift it up in our hearts and our minds. We ask this in your name. Amen. And so this is, this again, it's a, it's a unique Chapter is a unique story in Scripture. We're not going to take time to read all of it. But as you do read it, you find, first of all, as we look right there at chapter 4, verse number 1, it's written by Nebuchadnezzar. Now, time out just for a moment, okay? Because that is just, that blows my mind to begin with. That Nebuchadnezzar, the king, not just Nebuchadnezzar, the king we read about in Scripture, a Bible character, but Nebuchadnezzar, the founder, leader, and perpetrator of the Babylonian Empire in history. You know, you don't have to come to church to learn about Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. You'll learn about that in any history class. That man wrote a chapter in the inspired word of God. God inspired him to write scripture. It's just amazing to me God, how God uses him. This same, this same Nebuchadnezzar that did all those terrible things to Daniel and his friends that we talked about before, making him a, a, a victim of human trafficking, uh, forcing him to have gender reassignment surgery, uh, making, uh, getting them indoctrinated into all of the teachings, the culture, the society, the witchcraft, the occult of the Babylonian Empire. That same Nebuchadnezzar God's going to use to write scripture. Just amazing. And so in this story, Nebuchadnezzar, he writes this story. And again, we're not going to take time to read it. I would encourage you to go read the entire chapter yourself in some way. Not right now. As Nebuchadnezzar writes the story, uh, he reveals that he has God gives him another dream. Uh, much like he did in, in Daniel chapter number two. Uh, a dream that is telling Nebuchadnezzar something that's going to happen in the future. 
And so Nebuchadnezzar wakes up, and much like he does in Daniel chapter number 2, he calls all the wise men and the sorcerers and the astrologers and the Chaldeans to come and interpret this dream. Uh, This time he doesn't make them come up with it. He tells them what the dream is, and he says, okay, what's the interpretation? They, again, just like Daniel chapter number 2, cannot interpret the dream, and that's because if you get something from the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Babylon can't understand it. Uh, And so Daniel is then called again, just like Daniel chapter number two, and Daniel is going to interpret the dream. And Daniel has a chance now to be a witness, to be an influence over King Nebuchadnezzar, not just uh, the other people that are in captivity with him, like he did in Daniel chapter number one, not just the prince of the eunuchs who is leading him, uh, not just uh, a, a small group, He has a chance to influence the leader of the country. He has a chance to speak into his life, to exert influence, an influence of witness. And so how does Daniel do that? And this is is what we want to look at today. Because again, we in this world, we know how this world, culture and society, the spirit of Babylon, we know how it, it tries to influence us. We've already talked about that. Uh, We know how it wants to change us. It wants to force us to bow to its ideologies. It wants to suppress the truth when we don't do that. Cancel culture. Uh, We know that it wants to remove us uh, from having any influence. And so when that moment comes that we have opportunity to have influence, what do we do? How do we do it? And that's what we're going to look at today with Daniel. I want you to see one thing, though, before we go into this. Look at Romans chapter number 15, because I think that the same strategy that Daniel has or that he shows us in in Daniel chapter number four, it's the same exact strategy that the Apostle Paul lays out in Romans chapter number 15. So look at Romans 15. Look at verse number 18. Romans 15, 18, it says, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient. How? By word and deed, in verse 19, through mighty signs and wonders. By word and deed and the power of signs and wonders. And I think that's the next thing on your your handout. Paul's threefold strategy for getting the gospel to the world. The the way that he showed influence and a way I believe that Daniel does too. He does it through word. Number one, word. Speaking. Number two, deed. And number three, signs and wonders. The power of signs and wonders. Now, I want want to look at each one of these briefly, how Daniel uses it and how we can apply it to our own lives. First of all, we're going to go a little bit out of order. We're going to start with deed, all right? Uh, We're going to start with deed. But before we do that, let me say this, okay? Uh, This is just, again, reiterating what I just said. At this moment, we're getting beyond... Uh, we're getting beyond the big picture here, okay? We're getting beyond culture as a whole, and we're getting down to where Daniel is focused on one person. Daniel's not trying to influence the policies of the day. He's not trying to remove the golden image. He's not trying to get rid of idol worship. He is just trying to influence one person. And can I say that if you're going to influence culture, you must influence the people, which means the person next to you. The people around you. That's how you influence culture. Uh, The issues of our day, again, the political issues of our day, no matter what your opinion is, 
on either side of the aisle, how strongly or how passively you feel about either one of them. Um, the, the social issues of our day, uh, the racial issues of our day, the cultural issues of our day, uh, to influence any one of those, okay? The solution for those is not found, again, it's not found in political activism. It's not found in social media posts. Uh, it's not found, we know, in protests or riots of any kind. It's not found in making a petition. Uh, it is not found even, listen, listen, it's not even found just by preaching about it from the pulpit alone. And I think all of those, certainly they have their place. Most of them, they have their place done in the right way. But if we're going to influence people, we're going to change culture. It comes from influencing people, individual people around us for the cause of Christ, reaching one person, sharing the gospel with one person, making a disciple out of one person. And so we see that Daniel does this. He's not, he's not trying to have a gigantic platform to influence all of Babylon. He's not trying to have a gigantic platform to influence as many people as he can. He's focused on one person. He's focused on Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to use the opportunity that he has to be an influence of witness to Nebuchadnezzar. And so let's look at these three ways, these, this threefold evangelism strategy. How does Daniel use this? Let's, let's start again out of order, but we'll focus on D. We'll focus on D. Now, when we start the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter number one, we said that Daniel, when he goes to Babylon, is probably about 13 to 15 years old. So he's a teenager. Uh, young man, and is taken to Babylon. The time period between chapters 1 and 2, so the time period from when Daniel arrives in Babylon to when Daniel appears before the king the first time, that's three years. Three years. So Daniel is graduating from high school at that point. Okay, um, From the time period from chapter 2 to chapter 3 that we talked about last week, that Daniel's not really mentioned, but the, between the events of those two chapters, that is 17 years. So a long period of time. And then the period of time between chapter 3 and where we are today, chapter number 4, is about 5 to 10 years. And this is, listen, this is where Daniel first begins to share his witness. This is when Daniel first begins to share his witness in Babylon, uh, Daniel is in his mid-40s at this point. He's taken 30 years before he decides or before he sees the opportunity to be a witness. Um, Daniel decides that he is going to make a connection before he gives any correction. Uh, Daniel decides that he is going uh, to care for the king before he tries to give him any counsel. You see, see the pattern there? Daniel makes sure that he is doing the right things and being the right example and, and, and has a track record and a pattern before he tries to influence. We, we've all heard the, the statement before, and, and it's cliche because it's true, but people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's true. You won't have an opportunity to have any influence over someone, for the most part, uh, unless you have a track record, unless there is some kind of connection there, unless you have done something, you won't have the chance to speak truth into someone's life until you speak love into someone's life first. And most of the time that is done by our actions. 
It's not done by our words. That's done by our actions. Actions speak louder than words. And that's where we have the opportunity to influence people. Um, And so we're talking about being able to influence people through our works, through our deeds. And we're not talking about lifestyle evangelism. That's not that's not that's not what we're talking about, where where our life and and just how we live and the fact that we're good Christians and we follow Jesus. People automatically come up to us and ask us, man, how how can I how what must I do to be saved? That's not what we're talking about here. Uh, We're talking about. Uh, living a life uh, so that it will give us opportunity to speak into someone's life. Um, you know, the, you may have heard this old statement before um, that, that says this, preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. Now, can I just say that's dumb? Um, that may be harsh. Uh, preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. That's like saying feed the hungry, if necessary, use food. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, If you're going to preach the gospel, there are going to be words required. But I think that there is also an element of making sure that our life, our actions, our deeds, our works uh, give us that opportunity to share the gospel. Our works are just as important as our words in giving us the opportunity to share that message. Go with me to James chapter number two. The book of James chapter number two. This is this is how Daniel has lived. He has he has had a track record of faithfulness, living his life in Babylon. Again, we said he's assimilated. He's followed that Jeremiah chapter number twenty nine pattern of assimilating into the life of Babylon, not the culture, the ideologies, but assimilating into the life of Babylon, seeking the peace of that city, so that now, when the moment arises, and he comes before the king thirty years later, he says, "Now I have an opportunity to influence." And I think that's what we get from James. And so James chapter number one, we, we read of, of James saying we must be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. So there are actions required. And then James two explains why that's so important. Uh, James uh, addresses the issue of faith being practical, that it's not just what we believe. It's not just hearing the word and, 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 and internalizing the knowledge, the facts of truth, but it is doing them. It is the practical side of faith. How can you say you truly believe something if it doesn't bring about action in your life? How can you say you truly love Jesus if it doesn't produce action in your life? How can you say that you're following Christ if it doesn't do something in your life? And that's what James is addressing here. Look at James 2 and look at verse number 14. What did it profit, my brethren, though a man say that he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? James says, if you see somebody who is hungry, cold, and you have the, the wherewithal to meet those needs, and all you say, well, I hope you get warmed and I hope you get fed, that, that's, that's, that's not a, that's only word. That's not, there's no action tied to that faith. Uh, we know that we should. We believe we want that for them. We want them to be fed. We want them uh, to be warm. But if we don't do anything about it, then it doesn't say much about our faith. Uh, verse number 17. Yea, even so, if faith hath not works, is dead being alone. Now, again, we know that faith does not save us. Or, or excuse me, we know that works does not save us. We know that, uh, that we're faith, uh, saved by grace through faith. But our works to men prove our faith. 
Our works to those around us prove that we believe what we say we believe. And our works to those around us give us an opportunity to have influence. Uh, Verse 18, yea, a man may say thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith by my works. We show our faith by our works. You show your faith by meeting the needs of someone. You show your faith by, by, saying, by, by encouraging someone. You, you show your faith by praying for someone. You, you show your faith by doing for someone else to give you that opportunity uh, to influence. Um, we read about Daniel. Look at this verse. Okay? So the, when Daniel comes before the king, this is the example of Daniel gives us of this. When Daniel comes before the king, he's called to interpret this dream in Daniel chapter number 4. And if you know the story, it is not a good dream. It does not bode well for Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to go insane. He's going to lose the throne. He'll come back later. But he's going to spend seven years like a wild animal. It's not a good thing. And so when Daniel hears the dream, uh, then he goes to interpret it. it. The verse before this, I think, says that Daniel waited an hour. Daniel took an hour to think about this dream. Like it, it, it... it messed with him so much that he could not speak for one hour. He was so disappointed. Uh, he was so upset about it. Look at verse number. So then Nebuchadnezzar asks Daniel, Belteshazzar, his, Nebuchadnezzar, his Babylonian name. He says, what, what's the interpretation? So verse number 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour and his thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belteshazzar Daniel, of course, remember, this is Nebuchadnezzar writing, so he's going to refer to him in his Babylonian name. Belteshazzar answered and said, my Lord, the dream be to them that hate thee and the interpretation thereof to thy enemies. Daniel Daniel has so much care. He's, He's developed this connection, some kind of connection with Nebuchadnezzar, and he has so much care for him that he says, Nebuchadnezzar, this is not good news. I wish this would happen to your enemies. This, again, this is the same guy that took Daniel from his home. This is the same guy that forcibly removed Daniel from his family and his homeland, from a godly culture, and took him to a foreign land as a victim of human trafficking, uh, did all those other terrible things to him. And Daniel says, King, I wish this would happen to somebody who is your enemy, not you. Uh, Can I say that that is... For Daniel to say that, that is, that is action. That is deed. That is the embodiment of love your enemies. That's the embodiment of love your enemies. Uh, I think one thing that we can take away from Daniel is this. Uh, you cannot hate people and reach people at the same time. You can't do it. You cannot hate people and reach people at the same time. Uh, you cannot have negative thoughts or feelings about someone no matter their status, their social status, their, their, their race, their gender, their, their beliefs, their ideas, no matter how wrong they are, you cannot have negative thoughts about somebody and reach that person at the same time. Can't do it. Um, our mercy authenticates our message. Our mercy authenticates our message. Caring for someone... Uh, why, why we, we said this last week that one of the approaches that believers, especially those who know the truth, who hold to the truth, and, and, and believe that they should also be influences but don't understand how. One of the ways that Christians approach the world is through altercation. 
that, that, that we know the truth, we know we're supposed to be in the world and influence it, but the only way that we know how to do it is to put up our fists and beat it into somebody. That, that doesn't work. It comes with mercy. Uh, it comes with caring. It comes with loving. Uh, when we look at the example of Jesus, the kindness of Jesus to care, to comfort, to meet physical needs like feeding the hungry, to address the sickness of people instead of ignoring it, uh, of meeting people where they were instead of forcing him to come where he was, we see someone who was willing to do so that someone would have a chance to listen to him. Uh, Jesus, again, Jesus went to the woman at the well. And they talked about water. He had a conversation. He did something that no he did something that no one else would do. He talked to this woman. Uh, he went to the leper and touched him. He did something. He did something that no one else would do. Uh, our our actions, our deeds, give us the opportunity to influence. Listen, listen, okay. If you want to see someone saved, make sure that you see someone served. You want to see someone saved, make sure that you see someone served. You want to have an opportunity to influence somebody, meet a need for someone. You want to have an opportunity to influence somebody, go up and, and tell someone that, and, and, and mean it. Tell them that you prayed for them. And not just the cliche, hey, pray no, because you actually prayed for them. Um, man, you know, some, you know someone, maybe a coworker, and you're not sure about their salvation, and you say, man, I'd really like to have an opportunity to share the gospel with this person. And you may not have, have an opportunity to share it today, tomorrow, or next week, but what if, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll buy you a coffee on the way to work. I'll get an extra donut. Um, if you have the, the means, the resources, I'll buy you lunch. The opportunity to encourage, to meet a need, to give yourself the opportunity to influence someone. Um, but we don't have time to go through all of this, so I think we're, we're probably going to pause here and we'll finish this next week. Um, but I, I, wanna, I do want to do this, okay? Uh, I thought I had better cards, but these will do. Uh, a couple of you guys mind helping me with something real quick? Connor? Just pass one of these out to everybody. Yeah. Just give one to everybody. I want you to take one of these cards. Don't worry about what's on the back. Just look at the blank side. They're supposed to be blank cards. But I, I want us, as we talk about how we're to thrive in a godless culture, we're to influence and not just endure. I want us to put feet to it. I don't want us to just think about it. I don't want us to just say, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I should do that. And that's it. I have in my office, not a card like this. Um, I have in my office a sticky note on my desk right above my computer. I see it every single day. And it has five names on it. Five names of people that I don't know if they're saved. I don't know if they've trusted Christ. And every single day I see those five names and I pray for those five names. And I pray that God will give me an opportunity to be that influence for the gospel. So this is what I would ask you to do right now. Maybe as we were talking, you have 
a name. You have two names. You have a couple of names of people that you say, those are people that I don't know if they're saved. I don't know if they're a Christian. I don't know if they're following Christ right now. And I want the opportunity to have influence in their lives. This is what I want you to do. I want you to write those names down. So if you've got, if you've got some names, maybe, maybe you just need some time to think about it. You just want to take this card. But if you've got some names, I want you to write them down on that card. One, two, three, as many names as you, as you want to. But write down a few names right now. And this is what I want you to do this week. Okay? I'm not asking you to share the gospel with them. I'm not asking you um, to have a long theological discussion with them. I want you to pray for an opportunity to meet a need for those people. That's it. I want you to pray. Say, God, give me, show me, and give me an opportunity to meet a need for one of these people this week. It, it, again, it could be something as simple as, hey, I'm praying for you. you know, is there any way that I, I can pray for you specifically? Uh, it may be if you've got an opportunity to buy them a coffee or a soda. Uh, it may be uh, to, uh, I, I don't know what it is in your context. But I promise that if you pray about it and you ask God to give you the opportunity to show you, that he will. And so would you, would you write down those names, maybe today as, as we're finishing out the day or, or this week, write down one, two, three names of people that God, people, not just culture or society in general, but people that God would have you be an influence over. And then pray this week, God, how can I meet a need for this person? Now, we don't have time to get into the other two, word or power of signs and wonders, but I encourage you to be back next week, so wherever you guys are next week, make sure. Uh, just kidding. Um, we'll, we'll make sure that these are all posted so you can listen to them again. But we're going to talk about word and we're going to talk about the power of signs and wonders. And, and I promise you there, there, is, there is some powerful stuff as we talk about that. And so I, I encourage you to be back next week.